I'm always afraid when I show those video clips that maybe somebody will go away from here thinking that's what we believe, but we, we really don't believe that. I, I showed that to you to make a point. Those of us who call ourselves Christians, call ourselves Christians because in theory, we're supposed to be a people that follow Jesus. We're supposed to be people who do what Jesus says. In three weeks' time, we're going to be celebrating Easter. And right now, around the world, people are getting ready for the big Easter celebration. People that don't normally go to church have made a note on their calendar to make sure that they go to church that day. People are working on cantatas and passion plays, and they're preparing their Good Friday service and, and their Sunday service, and on and on and on. What was Jesus doing three weeks before Easter? Where was he and what was he teaching? Who was he with? Well, let's take a look at the scripture here. Jesus uh, is preaching, he's teaching, and uh, three weeks before Easter, we find Jesus taking his disciples aside, and this is what he says to them. He says, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. Just to stop there for a moment. What are the predictions he's talking about? Well, if you go through the Old Testament, you'll find literally hundreds of prophecies or predictions about Jesus Christ, about where he'll be born and that he'll be born of a virgin, about where he will live in Nazareth. All the details of Jesus' life and his ministry are all prophesied in the Old Testament. And Jesus says this, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. What are the predictions? The predictions are that Jesus is going to die. He's going to Jerusalem to die. And that he will rise again. Now here's the thing. The disciples, they don't understand this. They don't know anything about it. They don't, they don't get it. He will be handed over to the Romans. And he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day... He will rise again. Now, this is quite dramatic. In fact, it's not like anything they expected. They weren't expecting to hear Jesus say that this would happen to him. In fact, they had in their head that Jesus was going to be setting up his earthly kingdom, but Jesus is saying he's going to die. Now, in that passage, it doesn't say anything about the disciples taking each other aside and saying, what is he talking about? What does he mean he's going to die? It was so beyond them that they, they just kind of ignored it and just kept going on. No idea what he's talking about. I want us to look at those first few words there, taking the, tw the 12 disciples aside. What was he taking them aside from? Where were they? What were they doing? And why does Jesus have to take them aside to tell them this? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Jesus has actually just been speaking to a man who the Bible identifies as a rich ruler. And he's not just a rich ruler, but he's a very righteous, or shall we say religious ruler. The, the Bible says that this rich ruler comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, that's easy. Just keep all the commandments. Don't break any of the commandments. 
And the ritualist said, well, in fact, that's, that's what I've done. I haven't broken any of the Ten Commandments. I haven't broken any of the commandments. I'm, 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 I'm great. I'm good. I'm more or less perfect. Jesus says, well, that's fantastic. But there's one more thing you need to do. You need to sell everything you have and then give all your riches away to the poor. And then come follow me. I'm sure that this rich man was not expecting that kind of an answer from Christ. But you see, Jesus knew what was holding the heart of this man. Jesus knew what was most important to this man. And so Jesus says, you must sell it all and give it all away. And then come follow me. And then you can inherit eternal life. Now, the Bible says that the man's reaction to this was that he just became sad. And he left Jesus. He left him. He refused to do what Jesus said. He refused to do what was necessary for eternal life. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you prepared and are you willing to do what is necessary to inherit eternal life? Now, some of you are saying, does this mean I've got to sell all that I have and give to the poor? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to follow Jesus. You need to do what Jesus tells you to do. This story, the rich ruler, is all about what it means to truly follow Christ. I entitled my message this morning, The Pain, Then the Joy of Following Christ. I did not say the pain and the joy of following Christ. I said the pain, then the joy that follows Christ. How many know today that when you follow Jesus, before there's joy, there's first pain? I don't know if you knew that today. Before you follow Jesus, you need to understand that there is a price to pay. There is a cost involved. In fact, Jesus admonished everyone who would make this decision to follow him that they first must count the cost to see whether, in fact, they truly want to be a Christ follower. But I'm going to tell you this today. In the year 2011, you're not going to hear this too much from a lot of pulpits in this country or in North America. You see, Jesus does not cut any deals with anyone, and Jesus definitely, definitely does not try to find a way to make it palpable to you. Do you notice that Jesus does not run after this rich ruler and say, hey, just a minute, maybe we can do a deal here. They didn't do that. Jesus says, this is what you've got to do. Take it or leave it. And the rich ruler, as you know, decides he's going to leave it. Now look at this next passage of Scripture here. When Jesus saw this rich ruler sad and walking away, this is what he said, and read it with me. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Let's read that again, because not everyone's reading. Ready? How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a Canadian to enter... <laughs> than for a Canadian to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who... Read that then who in the world can be saved? Okay, I took a little bit of liberty here this morning. I'll admit that. The actual wording is, 
It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man or a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, guess what? That word Canadian, it's synonymous with rich person. Did you know that? You go anywhere in the world today, and if they find out you're from Canada, they automatically will assume that you're a rich person. And I can tell you that being a missionary and having traveled to lots of parts of the world, any of the poor nations that I visited, the minute they find out you're a Canadian, they automatically assume that you are filthy rich and you have just, uh, the world is yours. And guess what? In some respects, they're right. If you stop to consider for a moment why people would immigrate to Canada, leaving the warmth of the Philippines, or the wealth, or the warmth of the Caribbean, or the warmth of, uh, of Indonesia, or even India. Why would anyone leave the warmth of these nations to come to this Arctic country of ours, especially Winnipeg? Why is it? I'll tell you why. Because worse than the freezing cold that we face every year is the poverty that most nations face today. Did you know that? We are rich. In fact, I understand, it was Dennis Weed that mentioned at the banquet that people on welfare here are richer, wealthier than the majority of the poor people of the world today. We are, we're rich people. We have got an unbelievable amount of wealth at our disposal. Now here's the thing. Before you know or will know the joy of following Christ, first of all, you're going to have to know the pain of following Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that when you decide to follow Jesus, you no longer do things or are allowed to do things your way. You are actually surrendering your life to Christ. You're saying, God, all that I have is now yours. And that hurts. Anybody remember Corey Tamboom? She was the, the Jewish lady that hid Jewish people during the war. She was put into prison. And one of the things she said is, is that she learned in her Christian life that whatever she has, she should not hold on too tightly because when God decides he wants that thing that she's holding on to, if she hang, hangs on loosely, it's not too hard to let it go. But if she hangs on tight, then it hurts like crazy when God has to pry her fingers off of it. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. Because here's the thing, when you decided you were going to become a Christian, when you decided that you were going to answer the call of Christ, when you decided, God, I'm going to follow you, God says, good. And here's what, here's what you need to do. You need to give me all that you have. Now that might come as a shock to some of you. Others of you know this. You've been hearing this for years. But I've got to tell you something this morning. You need to be reminded of this. You need to be reminded that what you have actually belongs to God. And it's for his purposes that what you have is to be used. Did you know that? That house of yours, it's not your house. It's God's house. That car that you have, it's not your car. It's God's car. That, that money, that paycheck that you get each week or every two weeks, it's not your paycheck. It's God's paycheck. That is if you're a follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, then you are going to be the first one to say, God, what I have is yours. Take it and use it for your glory and honor. But it's painful to do that. It's not easy. 
Because who of us wouldn't rather go and spend our money on the things that we want to spend our money on? You heard me say last few weeks I'd rather go on a cruise than go over to Africa and, and rough it in a tent working and getting sweaty and dirty and, and worn out. Much, much, much more fun on a cruise than it is on the plains of Africa sleeping in a tent with a plastic pail as my nighttime companion. Yeah. It's painful. It's painful to follow Jesus. Because suddenly you have got to surrender it all to Christ. We used to sing a hymn years ago called I Surrender All. Does anybody remember that hymn? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I, and I surrender all. You know, I surrender all. Yeah. We don't sing that anymore. A little too painful, isn't it? A little bit too painful. I would rather surrender maybe 10% at the most, Pastor. And I would sure like it, Pastor, if we could be that church with a 9% tithe instead of the 10% tithe. It would be nice, Pastor, if you, if you weren't always talking about giving and money and sharing and giving of our time. Well, guess what? Jesus spoke more about money and stewardship than, than any other subject. Did you know that? Yeah. 11 out of 39 parables talk about money. One of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talk about, about money and stewardship. For three years, Jesus talked on this subject constantly. Why? Because here's the thing. You can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and yourself. And it's painful to take that step where you say, God, I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm going to live for you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. Folks, that is the first and great commandment. And some of us need to be reminded of that today because some of us have just gotten a little bit greedy and maybe a little bit self-centered. There's some people who just take and take and take and take and never share and never give. I want to tell you something today. It is painful to share. It's painful to give. But until you experience the pain of giving and of laying down your life for God, you will never know the joy that comes with following Christ. This past week, we got... 27 computers in from the University of Manitoba, just slightly used. We're sending them over to Africa. And it was, they weren't available till this Thursday. Now remember, we're, we had that thing packed yesterday. That meant that all the work that had to be done, they had to be re-imaged, they had to be cleaned out, cleared out. I don't know. I don't understand all the IT lingo on the subject. They had to get certain stuff loaded into it and whatever, I don't know. All I do is, all I know is this, it took a lot of time and a lot of energy. And uh, Friday morning after prayer, six o'clock, Tom and I were talking in a cafe and I said to him, uh, Tom, what are you doing today? Because well, my boss gave me the day off today and I was going to work on my house. I said, Tom, 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 our computer man. I said, Tom, we've got these 27 computers, and they all, they, they need to be prepared and, and gotten ready to be shipped, and they've got to be packed. 
And you know what? Without, without hesitating, Tom said, okay, I'll do it. Now, he's a busy man. He's got things to do. He's got places to go. He's got to get his house fixed. There's things he's got to do. But he said, I'll do it. And I said, Tom, that means you're giving up your one day to fix your house. He said, but this is what Jesus wants me to do. This is what God wants. It's a sacrifice. How many understand today that following Jesus means that there's sacrifice involved? That you don't call the shots on what you do with your time, but you allow God to call the shots on what you do with your time? God wants all of you, your time, your gifts, your, your, your energy, and even your money. Because it all belongs to him. You see, when you became a Christian, you became a steward of these things. So when you stand before God someday, remember on, on, at the discipleship class on Wednesday night, we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. You Christians, when you stand before Jesus, you're going to have to give an account for what you did with the things that were entrusted to you. Did you know that? what's Jesus going to say to you when he says, what did you do with your house? Will you say, well, I just, it was just for me and my family. And Jesus is going to say, well, what about hospitality? Did you invite anybody in? Did you give anybody a meal? Did you share with anybody? What about your car? What did you do with your car? Did you come to church with three empty seats or did you fill them up? Did you find out if somebody needs a ride to church or did you just come all by yourself? Yeah, we're going to give an account for that, people. And what about your paycheck? What did you do with your paycheck? Did you support the kingdom of God? Did you alleviate the, the, the pains and the hurt and the poverty of the people around you? You're going to give an account for that. We're all going to give an account. And those of us who are faithful in doing the painful thing, doing the hard thing, those of us who are faithful in sharing and giving and opening our home and, and giving our car to the purposes of God, those of us who are faithful in doing that are going to hear the Lord Jesus Christ say, well done, good and faithful servant. And those of us who are stingy and those of us who were just takers and those of us who refuse to share, the Bible says that we're going to make it into heaven as one escaping the fire. What's your eternity going to look like? You see, before you know joy in the Christian life, first there's a little bit of pain involved. Jesus, three weeks before Easter, he's looking forward to that day when humanity, when mankind will know the joy of reconciliation with God in heaven. Jesus, three weeks before Easter, before the day that he died, was looking forward to the day when those who know Christ would go to spend eternity with him. The great joy, the great celebration that will take place in heaven. But listen to me. Before the joy is the pain. The pain of the cross. And I want you to know today, Jesus went to the cross. He endured the pain of the cross so that you and I would know the joy of eternity with him. And so Jesus says, all those who want to be my disciples, they must deny themselves 
They must take up their cross and do what? Follow me. That's what it means to be a Christian. This morning, if this is not your Christianity, then I don't think you've got Christianity. If your Christianity doesn't look like what I'm talking about, then you probably don't have the real thing. You're probably not ready for eternity. And if you're not ready for eternity, then you need to talk to me, and I'd be very happy to get you set and back on track. The joy of the Christian life. There's a, a new believer in our church. Her name is Deb. She comes to the first service. And she's been coming out during the week, helping out, serving. She, uh, she found out that we needed somebody to go down to Altona and Morden and Winkler to pick up some sewing machines. And uh, she said, you know what, Pastor, I'll do it. Don't even worry about it. I'll go. I'll take care of it. And she went, I don't know how many machines she brought in here. I think 11 machines. With her, she took her son and they got their truck and they went through all that. It took a whole day or two days. I'm not sure how long it was. But, but she did it all. And I said, man, this is a huge inconvenience for you, isn't it? She said, sure is. And I said, that's a lot of money you spent on gas, eh? Oh, yeah. It's an SUV, Pastor. <laughs> I know what that means. A lot of money there. I said, it's, uh, it was not easy coordinating all that and spending all that time and the energy. Said, sure not, Pastor. I've got work to do on my house. That seems to be a familiar theme around here. <laughs> i got work to do in my house. Who's got work to do in their house? I know I do. But pastor, I am so happy. I've had such joy spending my time this way. When I think about somebody in Zambia receiving a sewing machine and having a livelihood because now they have a sewing machine, it fills my heart with joy. And you know what? We, we loaded up the 10 machines last Saturday, and I thought, man, all this stuff we have, I don't know if we're going to get all these machines in. And you know what she did? She spent all week coming in here and working on machine after machine after machine, feeding material through and fighting with it and oiling it and, and just, you know, muttering under her breath, you know, these blessed machines. <laughs> you know what I mean by blessed, don't you? <laughs> And she worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. One by one, she brought the, the, the machine that's been oiled and checked and fixed, she brought into the gym until finally we had a whole mass of sewing machines. It's unbelievable. And I think to myself, man, I sure hope we can get these machines in there. And I said, you know, you've got so much to do and you've got a job and, and here you are day after day. Why are you doing it? Why the aggravation? Why are you putting up with it? And she said, for the joy of it all. The joy of it all. Listen to me, before you're going to know the joy in your life, the fulfillment, the happiness, first there's got to be a sacrifice. There's got to be some pain involved. Listen, if there's, if there's ever a message for Easter, this is it. The thing that glorifies God more than anything is not a cantata, as wonderful as it is. It's not even Lent and, and fasting or whatever. That's great. But more important than that is making the sacrifice so that you make a difference in somebody else's life. This is what glorifies and honors God. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. There's a sacrifice involved. You know, we get so caught up in the religious aspects of the church and the liturgy and on and on and on. And that's all, you know, fine. 
But when, it, when, when the rubber meets the road, what, what matters more than anything is that somebody has received the gift of Jesus. Robert McLean stood on this platform last week in Fairford, Manitoba, and he was feeling down, and he was feeling like maybe he was abandoned and, and left to take care of this, these First Nation communities in the north, some hundred communities he's responsible for reaching out to. He's got 30 churches, and he says, God, where are you? I feel like I'm so alone. I've got to do it all myself. And he prayed, and he cried out to God. And God heard our prayers here at this church where we want to make a difference in the lives of others. And you would think, God, we're already doing something. We're already, we've already got Zambia to take care of. We're already, how many know that we raised, we got $50,000 worth of stuff in that can? Unbelievable. This, that this church could do something like that. We got our hands full. We're busy. But God says, you know what? I'm going to use Cross Church because we don't have enough to do, right? I phoned, I got Shirley actually to phone her brother and say, you know, we want to meet together. He came and met with us on the Tuesday, and I was so moved by what he was sharing. I said, you've got to come here on Sunday morning. He said, well, I've got a conference I'm involved in. I said, that's okay, you can come anyway. <laughs> and he came, and he poured out his heart to us, and he shared with us what his needs were and are. And he said, I felt like I was at the end, end of myself. And he said, suddenly I get a phone call. And God answered our prayer. And it was this church. This church. That in the midst of the busyness of our church life, we showed up for duty. And we took up an offering. And I asked everybody here, would you please make a sacrifice? And I could have said, you know, you've already made a sacrifice to Zambia. I can't ask you to do anything more. But God laid it on our hearts, and we did it anyway. And we said, can you make a sacrifice? And I've got to tell you the good news. We raised last week through our love offering for Pastor and Mrs. McLean, we raised $3,000. $3,000. Yeah, just do that. Do that. I can tell you, this one happy, joyful pastor, and I ask you to make a sacrifice, I make a sacrifice as well. If I ask you to give an offering, I give an offering as well. And I'm thinking, okay, God, we've got Fairford, First Nations Reserve, we're going to help out. We've got Zambia we're going to help out with. And I say, God, that, I think that's the full plate, wouldn't you? And God says, no, that's not quite enough yet. And I'm, what? And then Lighthouse Missions, email came across my desk, they, they need help to serve Easter dinner to some two or 300 people. I can't remember how many it is, but it's a lot. And, it's, and it's, it's interesting because here's the thing. Even, anybody know that verse where it says that God answers us before we call? Anybody know that, that verse? Okay, so here's the thing. Two weeks before I got that email, I had everybody who was interested in serving at the Lighthouse Mission downtown to sign up. I got 25 or 30 people who said, yes, I want to help, I want to do it. And then two weeks later, I get the email, and I said, well, we're the answer. <laughs> I don't have to figure this one out. It's a no-brainer, as Dennis says. And I emailed, I said, we've got a team ready to go. Great joy and rejoicing on that end. Great joy and rejoicing on this end. 
Because 30 people here were willing to make the sacrifice. 30 people here were willing to say, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'll, I'll do it, I'll go. Well, guess what we need from you today? We need people to sign up to make pies. We need 20, 50 pies. Victoria's taking care of that. We need somebody to come and peel potatoes. I've got 200 pounds of potatoes that need to be peeled. Anybody willing to do that? I need, I need, some, I need 30 hams cooked. So I've got some sign-up sheets for you in the back there, and I know that this is an inconvenience. I know that this is maybe uh, it's going to cause a little bit of aggravation, maybe a little bit of pain, I don't know, but there's a need there. And I'm going to tell you this, if you will follow the example of Christ, endure the inconvenience, the pain, the sacrifice, then you will know a joy that only Jesus can give, a joy that this world knows nothing about, a joy that this world cannot give you. But this is what it means to be a Christ follower. Can you just move on to the next slide there? Some of the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, we left our house, we left our families, we left everything. Look what Jesus says. Read it with me. Yes, Jesus replied altogether. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. I just love that. You get eternal life as part of this deal, and more than that, you get the joy, the abundance or abundant life that Jesus spoke of if you do it Jesus' way. Are you willing today to make the sacrifice, to share, to give, to become a giver rather than a taker? Jesus said it's more blessed to what? To give than to receive. I said that uh, it's harder for a Canadian to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know know what our culture says? Our culture says it's more blessed to receive than it is to give. But those of us who have followed Christ and understand this, we know that the greatest blessing is not in getting, it's in giving. And we know this because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Would you stand with me, please? Three weeks from now, we're going to celebrate Jesus going to the cross to die for our sins. As for some of us, we think that that's all that Easter is about, just the fact that Jesus died and rose again. It's about so much more than that. It's about, it's about having a new life, a life that's filled, first of all, with the peace from knowing that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus. And it's about having that joy that comes from living the life that Jesus has called us to live. Would you pray with me? Father, as we commit ourselves to you right now, we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives as we take that step of faith, as we embrace the teaching of Jesus, it says that we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you. 
It is painful, it's inconvenient, it's difficult, it's a struggle to say, God, I'm not going to live for myself anymore, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to devote all that I have to you, God, so that you can use it. That's the painful part. But how, how thrilling it is to know that there's joy that follows that. There's the pain and then there's the joy. God, I pray today that you would fill the hearts of your people with a joy unspeakable and full of glory as we surrender to you and your purposes, Lord. As we take those steps of faith and we help and we reach out and we give and we sacrifice and as we share, Lord, thank you today that some of us here today are just bubbling over with joy because we've been part of, of these great projects and there's so much more to do. Thank you, God, for that family that this church helped after their house burnt down up in Fairford. Thank you, Lord, that there's a whole family now that's serving Jesus who gave their hearts to Christ because this church just gave them some clothes and some furniture to replace what was stolen from them. God, thank you. Thank you for the joy that's ours in partnering with you. We commit ourselves to you now, Lord asking that you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone...